of us. As we consider this love language from you to us, the idea of what it means to have worth, to find the gift of being accepted, Lord, help us to live into that, especially if, if that's where we need to be, if that's what we're craving the most from you, if that's our heart hope. Speak and the power of the Holy Spirit to challenge and guide us and convict us to love us and embrace us and encourage us. May the words you've given me be acceptable and pleasing. May they help us to understand better about you and about ourselves. Or may something I don't even say speak to us this morning in ways I can't even imagine through your spirit and presence. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask for the Spirit to be present with us now, both here and at home. And the people of God in both places said together, Amen. So have you ever had someone in your life, especially when you were a child, like a grandma or an aunt or a family friend who made sure you never left their house without a gift? Anybody ever had anybody like that in your life? Raise your hand here at home. Raise your hand. Yeah. My grandmother was like that. She was always making things for other people. There are lots of things in our house that she has made, like the little things that go in the back of our toilets at Christmas, the little Frosty and his wife, needlepoint ornaments on our tree. She was always making something or had that candy dish full of butterscotches, hard candy, buttermints, something always out there. Grandma Catherine was a gift giver for sure. She says God is the great gift giver to us. That's how we discover God to be in the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament from the very beginning. And if you follow along with the YouVersion uh, event in your phone, if you missed Rick's a couple weeks ago, it was because Rick did do it, but it was the date and time are, are messed up. So you have to constantly reset it back a week. So his show up the next week. So if you're wanting that because words of affirmation are yours, then you need to let me know and I can get that to you because it saves all the events. And there's a, a direct link to all of them. We can get that to you. Then God the gift giver says in Genesis 1, I give you ever, every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sea and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it. You see, God was a gift giver and was giving gifts from the dawn of time. And until the end of time, too, with these words from the last chapter of the Bible describing the second coming of Jesus Christ and the beginning of a new age. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed, gifted are those who wash their robes. They, may, they have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Throughout all of the scriptures, from beginning to end, God reveals God's self as the giver 
of gifts. Now, I've spent a lot of time recently with Moses and Joshua and the Israelites coming out of the wilderness. And Moses says this over and over again. Things like, He will love you and bless you and increase your numbers. We see all the time in the story of the Israelites that God loved them and was always giving them gifts out of that love. God provided with the best practices and the ways to be meaning, to have a meaningful and fruitful life. And when they would follow those ways, they were expressing their trust and their love in the great Jehovah or Jehovah Jireh, which means the one who provides. One of your fill in the blanks. And God would then provide. If you faithfully obey the commands I am giving you today to love the Lord your God and to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will send, then I will send the rain on your land. I will provide grass in the field for your cattle. And you will eat and be satisfied. And of course, in the Hebrew songs where God is proclaimed as a great gift giver, like in Psalm 5.1.12, Surely, the Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as a shield. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as a shield. And if God is a gift giver in the Old Testament, how much more is God the giver of gifts in the heart of the New Testament? See? Where most of us can probably agree that John 3.16 says it better than any other verse. I mean, obviously football players and people in the stands agree at football games. So let's say it together. Let's do it a little bit differently, much like we did with Rick a couple weeks ago. I want you to put your name in the places where you're going to see the blanks up on the screen, which might help us do a little bit better than we did with poor Rick and when we were doing this. You search your name. Where that blank is, okay? Insert your name where that blank is. Don't say blank. Don't say blank. Dan, don't say blank. For God so loved Jeremy that he gave his one and only son that if Jeremy believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's very important for us to remember that these words were spoken by Jesus himself as he identified himself. Not someone else talking about him. And as God's one and only son, and he proclaims his mission on earth himself. And then Jesus continued, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything into His hands. But knowing He was going to die, and after His resurrection, return to the Father where He's been before His birth in Bethlehem, He wanted His followers to know that God would continue to give good gifts to them beyond Him. And He said, In that day you will no longer ask Me anything. Very truly I tell you, My Father will give you whatever you ask in My name. Ask and you will receive. 
and your joy will be complete. And God as being a gift giver then was also lived out in the letters of Paul. Now lately, in some conversations I've been having in my essential small group, that's our small groups that we started that are just the basic essentials of the faith, and we're going to invite you to be a part of that starting in June as well. But right now we're in these groups, and everybody's in these groups is like saying it's an amazing opportunity and really grounding them. But in these groups and other places I've been talking, we have the idea, or seen have the idea maybe, that the, the letters and words of Paul have the same weight and authority as Jesus himself. I think it's really important to remember that in the early church, there was a reason why the Gospels of Jesus Christ were the first books in the New Testament. His words are the most important in what he says to us. And to also remember who Paul was writing letters to. He's not writing, for the most part, love letters to Christian communities who are getting along. He is writing conflict resolution and get-your-act-together letters to Christians who are letting their beliefs and their doctrine and their dogma separate them from one another and their focus on God. If you want to see what Paul thought was most important about everything that he wrote, then flip over to 1 Corinthians 13. Read the whole thing, not like you're reading it as a nice thing to say to a couple at their wedding. But as a love letter that is speaking the truth in love to these communities, Corinth in this case, about what is the most important thing in being a Christian. And I'll give you a hint, it's not doctrine and it's not dogma, it's not even faith, it's not even hope. The greatest thing he says is what? Love. You'll see that again and again in Paul's writings. As it reflects this love covenant relationship between God and humankind. He wrote in Ephesians 5, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us, and gave gift himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice. And if we stop by and read James further down the books, we find the best example. We have a James follower up top here in the sanctuary. We find the best example of God being described as a gift giver when James wrote, Every good and perfect gift is from above. As any good James follower would say. And if we head even further back, you get to 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. John had a lot to say. And guess what most of it was about? Love. The beloved apostle, the last one living, had a lot to say about love. For example, see what great love the Father has lavished, gifted on us, that we should be called the children of God. 
And so throughout the Bible and throughout human history, including our own hearts, God has been revealed to us, to those who love and to those who believe. And then God in turn expresses God's love by giving gifts. And sometimes those gifts are material things that can be touched or tasted. Food, clothing, shelter. Our basic needs, right? But they're still gifts. I was thinking about India and thinking about the fact is that a lot of what's going on with them is they don't have any access to any of the things we have access to, including the vaccines, because the first world countries have bought them all. And lots of folks don't even want them. And yet they're desperate for them. They're gifts. I think we all think that's what love language of gifts is all about. I find myself following that same thing since gifts is one of my lowest. When people express it to me, though, they always are like, I don't need flowers or expensive gifts or whatever. And almost like they're trying to convince me their love language is not gifts. Like that would be bad. Almost like if gifts is your love language, you are superficial, materialistic, out to get something. That's not really what we're talking about. It doesn't work that way, even though our brains are wired to think that way. Because God at other times gives gifts that are in the realm of the spiritual, which we seem not to focus on as much. You know, the little things, the small gifts, like eternal life. Forgiveness of sins. Peace of mind. A purpose for our lives. You know, the small stuff. And then there are two of the most forgotten gifts that God has given us. Do you know what those are? Anyone got any guesses what the two most forgotten gifts are that God gives us? What, Louise? Life itself. Life itself. True. The Holy Spirit. Known in many circles as the Forgotten God by Francis Chan in his book. That we don't seem to see as a gift sometimes and don't seem to really take advantage of. And the second thing is our spiritual gifts. These are things that are, that are given to us by God that we don't really know. I mean, if only we would focus on that more when it comes to God as a gift giver than thinking somehow it's this material stuff. What incredible gifts that we often don't use sometimes or at all or not to their full potential and power. Paul thought they were pretty important though. Not as important as love, but I would say a close second. Spiritual gifts were given to the first century church and the disciples so that they would achieve their mission after Pentecost. I hear people always asking, why did the disciples become different? Why did they go out and change the world? Well, simple answer. The presence of the Holy Spirit now guided them and gave them the gifts that they needed. They weren't doing it on their own or they'd still be in the upper room. Some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, Pastors, teachers. 
Those gifts to the church were to prepare them and us so the work of Christ on earth could continue. And see, since the beginning days, every believer in Christ has been given their own spiritual gift or gifts. At least one. Everybody has at least one spiritual gift. Put one finger up. Put one finger up. Everybody has at home. You didn't do it. Okay, now I saw you. That's good. One finger. One spiritual gift. At least one. You can't say to me, oh, God didn't give me nothing. I, I got nothing. It doesn't work that way. At least one, maybe more, depending upon how the Spirit determines which are our abilities to perform certain tasks in the body of Christ. The body of Christ, another biggie for Paul and his beliefs. That we are not just individual Christ followers who decide to do things on our own, but that we're a greater whole of a body. A greater whole of a body who cares more about the common good of all than the individual happiness or belief of any one of us. And that in the body of Christ bound by love, we're all very different and yet one body in our belief together. And that gifts like wisdom and knowledge and faith and gifts of healing and prophecy and discernment and leadership and yes, even gifts, giving, are given by God for the common good. So this is where I go from preaching to to meddling. Do you know your spiritual gifts? I mean, do you really know them? Like if I asked you and you said, well, I took a test a couple years ago. I don't remember what they really are. You don't know your spiritual gifts. If it's on a piece of paper somewhere that you had, you had in some kind of a seminar somewhere, you don't know your spiritual gifts. It's more than that. And using them takes more than that. And that's a, that's a gift wasted. These things are given to us to be able to do the work of God. And I don't expect anybody here has ever left an unopened present under a Christmas tree anywhere and just said, you know what, we're going to save that one for next year. That one's just going to be over there. Those are material gifts. How much more to open up everything that God has given us to be able to be used. And in the app, there... There's a spiritual gifts test you could take there if you'd like to to get started. There's no magic bullet. You can't answer something to find everything that God has created you to be, but it's a good start. If you look at all of our doors here in the church, the staff have on all of their doors their spiritual gifts. And even though being on our doors, even that visual, we still forget. You know, can I tell you right now what Davis's complete spiritual gift set is? You know, probably not. Can you tell me what mine is right now? He smiled and laughed. Ministration, top of the top of the line. Teaching, Pastor Shepherd. I heard Shelly quoting things up there. She knows my spiritual gifts. It doesn't take long, though, to, to see the gift givers in our lives, too. You know, those folks who leave little items on your desk or at your door specifically in hopes that they mean something? 
They'll make you smile. I'm, I have several who I'm blessed with, including my Star Wars buddy for several years. Most things you see in my office that are Star Wars are from them. And then... <laughs> can I, it's okay? Okay. LaDonna came up to me and gave me this bag full of Star Wars ornaments to go on the tree. What a perfect example of gift giving. Nothing I expected. Something that made my heart smile in the morning. Ray, who's also here today, and they've returned and, and gave me a Star Wars book that you push the little buttons that makes all the little sounds and you follow the story. Nothing wrong with that either. In our house, it like lays out and I just push the buttons They annoy everybody when, when I walk by. I mean, this love language also thrives on the thoughtfulness, the care behind the gifts. Gift giving is just about the gift. It isn't just about the gift itself. You know, we often use the phrase, you know, that it's the what? Thought that counts. Maybe you've received something where you wish they didn't think so much of you. Or wondered what they did think of you, depending on what the gift they gave was. Looking at you, pink bunny suit from a Christmas story. But instead, for them, it's what the gift signifies. When I was at Pleasant View, we had this wonderful woman named Miss Jean in the nursing home in Ashland City. And she didn't really have material possessions left after moving into the nursing home, but every time that we went over there, she would have trinkets and things for Hannah. Little cats that were, you know, little porcelain cats and things like that. She always had something for Hannah to take home. When I think about gift giving in the, in the language of gifts, I, there's no one more than Miss Jean that comes to my mind. For those who are gift givers, giving and receiving the perfect gift or gesture, remember, not just things. Gifts are not just things. We're so, we're so wired to think that gifts are things. It shows that we are known, cared for, prized. The act of sacrifice and investment behind thoughtful gift giving is sacred. And people with the love language of gifts, when we say thank you, will usually say things like, don't thank me, or don't thank me, thank God, or I am thanking God for you and the gift you are to me. That's how I received one of the most unexpected gifts I've ever gotten in my life. That's my bonsai tree. It's dead, but just I'll tell you why. It is dead. Well, it could probably come back, but... The cats like to eat it, so it doesn't really work very well. Um, so we get this box in May of last year. Unknown box from somebody, no name on it or anything. You know, it's May, so you don't even touch boxes at this point. You should have to spray it down with, you know, 14 kind of disinfectants. Remember, we used to do that, remember? You took your groceries home and you sprayed them down when you got them out. You're pretty crazy, weren't you? So we got this box, opened it up. Start digging through it. I still don't know what it is. Man, this is also when the Chinese seeds were coming out too. So I'm like, I got, I got a whole box of Chinese seeds. So I open this thing up and I start to pull it out. And it's, a bonsai, it's this bonsai tree. Just like that except green. I kept it alive. It was fine. But the cat ate every leaf off of it. So there's nothing I can do. And I can't put it away somewhere. It needs sunlight. It was his other downfall. So here's this bonsai tree. And of course... 
I must have mentioned somewhere along the way that I fancy myself Mr. Miyagi from the Karate Kid, turning my little bonsai tree and finding serenity and trying, you know, especially last year in May, really trying to find serenity and catching flies with chopsticks. And when I finally pulled it out, then the card says to Reverend Jeremy Squires, may God shine his light upon you with much appreciation. Now, I know who gave it to me. And so it was like, wow, what a gift. I've never received a gift like that. In that moment in time, and it made me smile when I received it. And it reminded me of what? It, it reminded me that I have worth. In the midst of two months into it, when things are starting to fall apart, we're not back in worship. We're still doing it in front of pretty much a camera and eight of us. Someone cares. That I have worth. Say that with me. I have worth. And usually, these things appear on my darkest days. They give me hope. They get me through that day or the next day. That I have worth. Say it one more time. I have worth. And people who experience love through gifts are crying out to know that they have worth. Very frequently, they give gifts and love to receive gifts. Long to receive gifts because it's in the giving and receiving where they feel their worth. It goes both ways. See, gifts have a way of tangibly symbolizing a person's value to the gift giver. A thoughtful, well-timed, and sincere given, sincerely given gift causes our hearts to soar. It's in that moment when the person who longs to be loved through gifts will tell you that he or she feels their worth when someone is opening up the perfect gift that they've given them. The heart hope I have worth is so powerful that many will spend all they have to feel this euphoria again and again if it gets out of control. But a, a thoughtless gift, store-bought seconds, a missed birthday or anniversary with gift givers or a lack of reciprocating can be destroying for a relationship with somebody who involves is a gift giver. They can feel unappreciated, unloved. The danger for gift givers is making sure you don't define your worth through relationships that are measured by gifts or expressions of thoughtfulness or the number of great parties you throw. The question gift givers have to ask, and we all do, is who am I without others? Who am I without others? And that's where we need to remember that God wants you and all of us to know that you have worth and that you belong, that that is God's greatest gift to us. Amen? That you belong to God as a gift. You don't have to work to impress God. God has wanted to belong to you and you to God since the beginning. And part of the reason there was a bit of gift giver in all of us is because we were created in the image of a gift giving God. And that there can be no real experience of love without giving. There can be no real experience of love without giving.
And God is this great gift giver. But maybe you've never pictured God as a God who loved you and wanted to give you anything. Or you couldn't or cannot imagine that God could forgive you for all the things that you've done. That God could accept you into God's family and make a place for you and I to live forever with God. And it was this is too good to be true. And yet that's exactly how it works. And if your primary love language is gifts, you've probably been drawn to God because God doesn't stand as a judge to condemn you, but as a a father, a heavenly parent who bestows forgiveness and eternal life to those who are willing to receive God's love. And you, the gift givers, understand most of all, when you give a gift, you are not doing it not only because of Jesus, but to Jesus. And the exciting part is a relationship with God is not primarily about rules and regulations and experiences and rituals and religion, but instead it's about joy and celebration, expressing through receiving and giving. And the God who created all of us and intimately loved us demonstrated through His love that even when we are not perfect, when we are by other standards unlovable because of the things we have done or not done or the things that we believe about us or don't believe, that God still gives us the greatest gift ever. And do you know what that is? Grace. The greatest gift ever is grace. It is that grace on display in one of the most famous stories Jesus ever told of a son, actually two sons, who break his father's heart to the core after giving his son love and honor and respect and all the earthly things that money can buy. And the son packs up, tells his father he wants him dead and throws away his gifts. But then he returns. And while a long way off, the father sees him. And of course, his father was filled with anger. He told you, I told you so. And he said, you are dead to me. Right? That's how it works, right? You made your bed, go lie in it. You left, you threw everything away, you told me you wanted me dead. Well, guess what? I am dead to you. No. He was filled with compassion and grace. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Why? Because he has a second chance with his son who is as good as dead. And now he's come back to life. You know anyone else like that? And what is the father's response? A party with extremely special and symbolic gifts. The gift of a ring and a robe and a fatted calf that are not just material possessions. They represent relationships. 
And these expressions of love from God to us, these grace gifts, have nothing to do with whether or not we are worthy of them. In fact, normally grace is given in the shadows of our unworthiness. They are given simply because God desires to give them and grace tells us that we have worth and that we belong. Say, you have worth. I have worth. I have worth. I have worth. And no matter where you are in life, no matter what you have done, God is waiting. Looking for you. To receive you. And shower you with the greatest gift God can possibly give. New life both now and forever. So to close, from once again, the first John's. So dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. The gift of being accepted. I have worth. One more time. I have worth. I invite you at home to begin to get ready for communion in your setting as we also begin to get ready for communion here as we gather together. Are we ready for communion? There's not going to be a long, drawn-out talking about it, so you might want to get it ready to go. Yeah, but we usually do communion first, and then we usually do the song while we're doing communion, so how would you like to do it? (laughs) So, why don't you read the psalm while they're getting ready, and we'll go from there. Hear these words from Psalm 19. Heaven is declaring God's glory. The sky is proclaiming His handiwork. One day gushes the news to the next, and one night informs another what needs to be known. Of course, there's no speech, no words. Their voices can't be heard, but their sound extends throughout the world, and their words reach the ends of the earth. The Lord's instruction is perfect, reviving one's very being. The Lord's law are faithful, making naive people wise. The Lord's regulations are right, gladdening the heart. The Lord's commands are pure, giving light to the eyes. Honoring the Lord is correct, lasting forever. The Lord's judgments are true. All of these are righteous. They are more desirable than gold, than tons of pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, even dripping off the honeycomb. No doubt about it, your servant is enlightened by them. There are great reward in keeping them. But can anyone know what they've accidentally done wrong? Clear me of my unknown sin and save your servant from willful sins. Don't let them rule me. Then I'll be completely blameless. I'll be innocent of great wrongdoing. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, Lord, my rock 
and my Redeemer. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jesus said, There is no greater gift than this, that one would lay down their life for a brother or sister. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. The greatest gift of love that God gave us was life everlasting through Jesus Christ, his Son. So on that night, when Jesus knew the time was coming, the Bible says he took bread. He gave thanks. He broke the bread. And he said, take, eat. This is my body which will be given for you. Hear that word, given, gift. Mm. This is my gift for you and for all. Take, eat. At this Passover meal, which was actually a gift even giving back to God, they would take time to remember the Exodus, the time in which they left Egypt. And we will ask these questions on this evening every year. And one of the parts of that meal is about four cups. And the cup that Jesus lifted up during the meal that they were celebrating was the cup of redemption. When he said the word, this is my blood poured out for you and for many. For all of us. For the forgiveness of sins. Drink this. Remember the great gift of life. The Israelites and the Hebrews believed that life was in the blood. And the gift of life was in the blood. So may we receive these gifts this morning and remember the great God whose sacrifice was given on our behalf to give us new life. Let us pray. Gracious God, may this bread and this juice be for us the reminders of your great love and sacrifice for us. Pour out your Holy Spirit on them and on us who receive them that may be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we are redeemed by you and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We give you all the honor, the glory, the praise, and the thanks for these great gifts. And everybody both here and at home said, Amen. Amen. So as we have been taking communion here on site, communion is spread out along the rails. You will come and pick it up by spreading out with each other. Return to your seats and we will take it all together. These sections will come this way. These sections will go towards the wall. And return your seats. Don't cross the streams. It becomes a real traffic nightmare. You guys come this way. You guys go this way. And at home, get ready in a minute. We'll all gather together to receive. Let's start from the front pews, working our way to the back. And let us come and receive these elements this morning.
You can dip your bread into the juice a little bit to soften up if you'd like. At home, whatever you're using, receive the body in Christ and the blood of Christ now. Given for our sakes. In love and forgiveness. May we share that same love and forgiveness for all those around us. Amen.
receive these words of benediction as we leave from here and as we move into our day at home. As the weak realize their strength, as the poor eat and are satisfied, may God's gift of love abide in us. As the stranger finds a friend, as the family offers forgiveness, may God's gift of love abide in us. And as the ends of the earth know of Christ's grace, may God's gift of love abide in us. And everybody said, both here and at home, Amen. Solid rock. On Christ has solid rock I stand. All the ground is sinking sand. All the ground is sinking sand. On Christ has solid rock I stand. and share this gift of love. We'll see you next week.